0: Money FM eighty nine point three, the best of your money. Market view on Money FM eighty nine point three.
1: Good morning, I'm Michelle Martin. Asia Pacific markets are trading mixed this morning. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good Thursday morning, Ryan Huang.
0: Happy Thursday, Michelle.
1: Let's start the morning in Hong Kong, where the territory's financial secretary, Paul Chan, has struck a positive note in his first post-COVID zero budget speech. Now, that speech, in fact, did not have mention of COVID-19 one single time in the two-hour speech. Instead, Chan prefaced an upcoming Happy Hong Kong campaign that features the launch of large-scale Food fairs. So, Chan is trying to boost Hong Kong's struggling economy. It shrank three and a half percent last year. Among the steps Hong Kong is taking, it's going to cut stamp duties on residential property purchases and it's going to dole out a significant amount of goodies, including some 850 Singapore dollars worth of consumption vouchers to eligible residents. So, Ryan. Are investors going to be watching to see how Hong Kongers spend these funds? I think they are. What do you think some of the industries or companies, uh, which ones of those stand to benefit, do you think?
0: yeah, taking a quick look at some of the more interesting points, you do have a couple of themes going. One big one is the consumption picture, and this is already handouts are in focus. So we have five thousand Hong Kong dollars being given out to every eligible resident that is around six hundred and thirty seven dollars. So the good news here is that it will mean people might use that to splash on stuff like new watches spending on food things I might Mm -hmm. not actually buy. So that's going to be a big boost for the consumption picture. But I have to lay a caveat here that this was Mm -hmm. a surprise for some market watchers who did not expect to see a handout because borders are opening up and tourists are going back to Hong Kong. So to some extent, already there would have been a round of spending by uh, consumers in that sense. So they thought this would be actually ...better allocated elsewhere. So that's the, I guess, other side of looking at the benefits of these handouts. So that could actually lead to higher inflationary pressures. And then if you look at other sectors um, that we can keep an eye on... ...one is the Mm -hmm. Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Partly because of the vouchers or the, I guess, extra money that can be used to buy stocks. Also, Mm -hmm. Hong Kong Stock Exchange will be looking at ways to allow uninterrupted trading. And if you're familiar with Hong Kong weather... When you have strong winds, storms, hurricanes, typhoons, it can mean the stock exchange will take a pause. And that means lost revenue when it comes to trading. So Hong Kong exchange is now thinking, hey, do we really need to stop trading? We can just go on if we find some ways to address some of the uh, protocols. So that's something that's going to be underway. Airlines will also be in focus as the government looks to reduce or waive airport charges and provide incentives for carriers to resume suspended flight activities and services and possibly launch new routes. So airlines directly Mm -hmm. could benefit, plus you could bring in more tourists. So the hospitality Mm. sector will be another area to keep an eye out for.
1: Hong Kong's budget stands in stark contrast to that of Singapore's. It will run a substantial budget deficit this year while Singapore's budget is practically balanced. Hong Kong cutting stamp duties while Singapore is raising them on high-end properties. Hong Kong also handing out more fiscal stimulus than Singapore. Ryan, what do you make of these contrasting approaches between Asia's rival financial centres? Yeah,
0: you have a few similarities and differences. I was um very curious about a few things. One mm. was the absence of policies to attract overseas talent. You might recall in the past few years, curbs and restrictions in Hong Kong led to many expatriates leaving Hong Kong and they have not gone back to the same levels since. So do you need these talent, strategic talents, so to speak to help drive some of the growth that Hong Kong is looking for. So without the expatriates coming back, there's going to be a tall order. So that's something that I thought was missing. And this is something they will have to address in time to come. So that's one area. Another area that was missing was sustainability, quite similar to Singapore, perhaps something they will be looking at in other budgets. So for now, on the back burner. So, another area that is starting to come up to be a bit of a contrast is their approach towards cryptocurrencies. So, in the past few weeks, we've seen Mm -hmm. Hong Kong making a bigger push to see how Hong Kong can become a crypto hub for retail traders. So, this is a big thing. Retail trading, they think, is going to be something they can benefit from around cryptocurrencies. In contrast, Singapore is more measured. So, you can't advertise crypto trading services on the streets, billboards, on trains... But you probably can see that happening in Hong Kong. So it's a very different approach. And I think that could possibly be something that crypto players will be looking at when they think about, hey, where should I set up shop in Asia?
1: I did pick up on that as well. Hong Kong does appear to be more bullish on digital currencies than we are here in Singapore. So Hong Kong has announced a task force to create a crypto hub. That's how serious they are about it. It's also setting aside billions of dollars to lure global talent in the areas of artificial intelligence, healthcare research, quantum technologies, and microelectronics. Interesting point. Now, speaking of high-tech, I want to turn to the U.S. now, where Microsoft is moving quickly to bring its new AI-powered Bing chatbot to the mainstream. It's releasing a Bing smartphone app, as well as an app for its Edge internet browser. Now, this comes less than a week after the chatbot appeared to get a little sour went off the rails. It told some users that it loved them, while it shared threats to humanity with others. Ryan, what steps is Microsoft taking to ensure that these sort of problems, um, you know, AI being chatbot sounding so aggressive, what do you think is being done to, to ensure these problems don't happen again?
0: Well, the only way to, I guess, get around it is to make sure you test it fully and I'm sure behind the scenes they've been pushing for a lot of testers to just try to break the uh, chatbot <laughs> and try to hack it trying to make sure things don't give you any surprising results so I'm sure there's been a lot after all the well, interesting publicity around the answers that some of these chatbots have been giving so on that front Microsoft thinks maybe it's done enough testing and it's time to unleash it to the masses and Integrated with its Bing search engine. So, something that I think will be um, a big draw for many people to take up Bing because Google search engine is the market share leader. So, maybe that could sway some people to try out Bing and maybe stay with Bing. So, maybe uh, we'll see uh, a new competition play out in the search engine wars.
1: Yeah, I. I found it interesting that one approach to curbing Bing's odd behavior, Microsoft was limiting conversation time, and it's limiting the length of conversations as well. So, for example, if you try now with upgraded Bing to go on in a conversation with follow-up questions, it politely declines questions that it may have responded to just a week ago. It says, I'm sorry, I prefer not (laughs) to continue this conversation. (laughs) And it says, I appreciate your patience. So um, Microsoft doing its best to curtail Bing's propensity to respond uh, with strong emotional language there. One more tech story. And this one, um, well, before I go to Apple, actually, Microsoft's new Bing search engine, we know, is built on ChatGPT. And much of the focus on ChatGPT and its rivals has been about how this is going to affect the world of search, potentially undermine google's dominance in that area think about it when you have a question now do you go to google or do you go to chat gpt most of us go to chat gpt so one area to look at is more behind the scenes in terms of which companies help power the chatbots today we have an indication of one company that is benefiting which one is that ryan
0: yeah it's a very interesting parallel like the Gold Rush, when everyone was trying to make money from gold, digging up gold. And then you have the guys supplying shovels and jeans, making money. <laughs> so in this parallel, I think here is another proxy to play off the AI race, arms race. So you've got NVIDIA yeah. chip makers starting to be the well, focus of some of these, um, I guess, efforts to just one-up each other. You need the chips, mm to get more powerful AI services. So, NVIDIA is powering on with its um, outlook in terms of where growth is coming from. And it looks like um, that is going to be a huge growth area for the likes of NVIDIA and other chip makers because tech companies, even though they are cutting on many other places, layoffs in the headlines, they are still spending on AI.
1: Good point. Um, Now, let's turn to Apple. So, Bloomberg's punished published an article this morning about how a moon-style health project at Apple launched during the Steve Jobs era may be about to bear fruit. It's a secret endeavor. It's called E5. What's E5? Yeah,
0: I am actually quite excited about this new innovation. So <laughs> it's all around Apple trying new things and I think for a long time, we haven't seen that happening for well, since the iPhone came out. So this is going to be a big step in the healthcare space so in effect it's going to be a player on the wearable space as well so it's going to be stepping up the game for Apple to find new revenue on that front so if you look at what's playing out here um, it's around a moonshot style project so if it does take off it's going to be big time so it's around non-invasive and continuous blood glucose monitoring so in short it's going to be helping people with diabetes to figure out what are their sugar levels without having to go through the usual way of doing things, which is to prick the skin for blood to test it. So right now, they are using or testing a technology using specific lasers that emit wavelengths of light into um, an area around your skin. So using those Mm. reflections and the extent of how much it penetrates your skin, they can figure out how much sugar or glucose is in your body. So that's a very... Well, innovative breakthrough if it can really take off in a mainstream fashion.
1: Just incredible. Using wavelengths of light to shoot to an area below the skin where there is a fluid and then analyzing that fluid with an algorithm to determine your blood glucose level. Several diabetics in my family, so I think you know, I personally will be looking out for this With bated breath, let's take a step back now and look at the overall U.S. markets. Shares were mixed overnight. The Nasdaq closed moderately higher. The Dow and the S&P 500 finished in negative territory. Much of the focus was on the release of minutes from the latest U.S. Federal Reserve meeting. Reading between the lines, what did we learn, Ryan?
0: Yeah, so I'm not sure if anyone should be surprised that the Federal Reserve policymakers Uh, we're all pretty much pushing for the same thing, which is for a 25 basis point rate hike, which we saw. But I think the takeaway here is that they are still waiting out for more data to confirm that inflation is coming down. We have seen it come down slightly moderating, but I think it's not enough for them. Bear in mind, the target is 2%. Uh, It is still quite far away from that. And you have now the possibility of the Fed having to do more in terms of hiking rates for longer. We also have to bear in mind that the minutes are a reflection of the meeting that happened three weeks ago. And in that span of time, we had a bunch of data coming through, inflation, consumer spending, retail sales numbers, and all of that largely point to inflation still being around, a strong jobs market, which will then lead to wage increases and then that leads to inflation. And all that means rates will probably lean towards uh, being higher for longer.
1: We bring the conversation back to Singapore. This is Market View. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Here in Singapore, UOB is reporting record earnings. It netted $2.6 billion in the second half of the year, up nearly 25% from a year earlier. What is powering UOB's strong performance?
0: Um, If I had to come up with one word, I would say it's the Fed because rates are going up thanks to the Fed and they benefited big time from a rise in net interest margins. So if I look at the second half for the latest financial year, profits were up 24%, $2.6 billion. And that was partly due to a jump in net interest margins by 53 basis points to 2.08%. And it could go even higher, as we've talked about. Rates could still have room to go higher. So that is one of the big areas driving the profits for UOB. And of course, um, they have their eye on the growth picture for ASEAN.
1: UOB is Singapore's third largest bank, but it is expanding with the acquisition of Citibank's consumer business in Malaysia and Thailand. Brian, what do you make of UOB's latest numbers?
0: Yeah, it is a very impressive set by and large. Um, But one takeaway was, hey, no special Hmm. dividend, which was what DBS (laughs) came out with. So on that front, it is slightly disappointing for some investors who were hoping for something similar. Uh, But the good news is, if you look at the dividends, it was an improvement from last year. So final dividend at $0.75 per share on top of the interim dividend, which was $0.60, so all in $1.35, which is above last year's final dividend of $0.60 and interim of $0.60 as well, one twenty. So it does improve from last year, but maybe you'll be a bit more conservative in terms of um, keeping or holding on to their cash.
1: Now, time is for corporate news. It looks like 9.21 on the clock. That's right. It's time for up or down. Ryan, let's start with the Chinese tech giant Baidu. All right, Baidu. I would mm. go with Up. And it's all around the AI
0: chatbot race. And this, in the Chinese side of things, it's thinking it might use its Ernie bot, which is something similar to ChatGPT, to what they call create a rev- revolutionary version of its popular search engine, pretty much revamping its search engine, which will then mean more attractive propositions for advertisers to... Their stuff online and of course bring in some of the ad spend.
1: Baidu reporting better than expected profit numbers and it has announced that 5 billion US dollar share buyback. So, on the back of that news, I agree it's an up for me. Next, let's look at the company that makes Jeeps. It's called Stellantis.
0: Okay, it is an up for me because it's a Mm -hmm. record annual profit plus. It is looking at a $4.5 billion shareholder payout. So good news on the dividends front. So something I think uh, that's going to be uh, easy up for Stellantis, reporting a 26% rise in net profit that year.
1: Yeah, Stellantis' record profits looking good. It's going to pay investors special dividends worth nearly $4.5 billion. Wow. Yeah, I agree with you, Ryan. Up the big four audit firms.
0: Yeah, big four is a big down in China. So this is where we have a bit of an interesting well, proxy dispute going on. We've got mm. US-China tensions playing out on many fronts. We've got a tech front. We've got what's playing out in other areas as well. And now it's going into accountancy where Chinese authorities are urging state-owned enterprises... To phase out their use of the big four. So, PwC, KPMG, Deloitte, and ENY. So, that's something mm. on the so called national security agenda because they feel that their data, well, can't be trusted with these US firms. So, it is uh, quite similar to what I've been hearing on the US side, which has also been warning about stuff like TikTok, you know national security issues, data. So on that Mm -hmm. front, they are saying, hey, go local, go for Chinese and Hong Kong accountants when your contracts come up.
1: Yeah, China's Ministry of Finance, among the government entities that gave informal guidance to some state-owned companies just as recently as last month, um, urging other state-owned firms to let their contracts with PWC, EY, KPMG, Deloitte, all expire. So that's a down for these companies in my book. AMC...
0: Okay, AMC is going to be a down for me because you've got shareholders suing the company over um, its decision or at least its oh. ambitions to add more shares. So this is um, a lawsuit that was filed in Delaware by some of shareholders accusing the movie theater chain of bypassing them in a bid to increase the number of shares, which should then dilute the value of the shares.
1: Yeah, shares of the meme stock AMC, I've been looking at them. They've been soaring though. They're up nearly 20% in two days. So I'm going to differ there and give AMC an up for now. Let's look at SBS Transit.
0: Okay, SBS Transit. I think not a surprise because everyone's been going out and about a bit more. So people taking buses more. So net profit Mm. more than doubled to $33.4 million in the second half on higher demand.
1: Yeah. SPS Transit's business is booming, right? Net profit more than doubling during the last period there. Before I let you go, Ryan, a question based on something I read this morning. How would you like to have a four-day work week? I would love it.
0: When do I start? Consider
1: it done, Ryan. Done.
0: (laughs) I'm not turning up tomorrow.
1: Researchers in the UK have just completed a study of more than 60 companies that offered their workers a shorter work week. And they found that companies that do so enjoy higher revenue, less employee turnover. So what do you think? Pretty good argument there, right? It does. Why not? If you can do your work in a
0: shorter amount of time, then there is no strong, compelling reason for you to stick around just for another
1: day. If you know That can lead to a better work-life balance. I I agree. I think technology has forced us all to work way beyond nine to five. The work week has lengthened, in fact, without us noticing because we're answering emails at all hours of day. So four-hour work week sounds good to me. All right, Ryan, I'll catch you Monday. (laughs) See you around. Ryan Huang there. I'm Michelle Martin.